a little warm. Okay, uh, if I could get a couple guys to give me a hand here. Let's just close the windows. Uh, Brother Stephen, if you could turn off the ceiling fans, the big ones here, you can leave this one on, and we'll just uh, put on the ACs, okay? Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 38, and then stick your finger in Psalm 70. As you close the windows, just push on the frames, never on the glass. There we go. Okay. How many of you ready for ice cream after church tonight? That'll cool us down just a little bit. Amen. And uh, the reason we're looking at these two psalms is uh, they are the only two psalms in the Bible that are titled, and I want you to turn to Psalm 38, and if you look there, it says, David moveth God to take compassion of his pitiful case, and then underneath is the title of the psalm, a psalm of David to bring to remembrance. It says, a psalm of David to bring to remembrance, and of course, This is uh, Memorial Day, and this morning was about the book of remembrance. And if you'll turn over to Psalm 70, you'll notice that it has another, uh, uh, the topics up there above. But then it says, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, to bring to remembrance. And these are the only two psalms that have this title. And so, uh, as we are not following any set pattern. We're just kind of uh, going through the Psalms. I thought that we would try to uh, touch on both of these Psalms tonight. And I want us to read Psalm 38 in its entirety, all 22 verses. So just follow along. O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. For thine arrows stick fast in me, and thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities are gone over mine head. As in heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupted because of my foolishness. I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Lord, all my desire is before Thee, and my groaning is not hid for Thee. My heart panteth, my strength faileth me. As for the light of mine eyes, it also is gone from me. My lovers and my friends stand aloof from my sore, and my kinsmen stand afar off. They also that seek after my life lay snares for me, and they that seek my hurt speak mischievous things and imagine deceits all the day long. But I, as a deaf man, heard not, and I was as a dumb man that opened not his mouth. Thus I was as a man that heareth not, 
and whose mouth are no reproofs. For in Thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord, my God. For I said, Hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against me. For I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity, I will be sorry for my sin. But mine enemies are lively, and they are strong, and they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are mine adversaries, because I follow the thing that good is. Forsake me not, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord of my salvation. Now let's go to Psalm 70. Psalm 70, only five verses. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek after my soul. Let them be turned backward and put to confusion that desire my hurt. Let them be turned back for a reward of their shame that say, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek Thee rejoice and be glad in Thee, and let such as love Thy salvation say continually, Let God be magnified, but I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverer. O O Lord, make no tearing. Now, as we read these two psalms, we understand that they are connected, that the songs, the ideas that are in them, because they have the same title on them. And I don't know if you noticed or not, but the Psalm 70 and the last few verses of Psalm 38 seem to have an awful lot in common. They follow the same pattern. And so, uh, what... uh, What we do when we find something like this that God puts together, that God says, hey, here's a connection, is we try to follow this out and study because the Lord has something for us here. And just a few things. If you'll start in verse 19, and in my Bible I have two bookmarks, so I have one in Psalm 70 and one in Psalm 38, and we'll just flip back and forth a little bit here, or you can just... Hold the different pages in your hand. But we find that David, the author of both of these psalms, is under attack. Now, how many times in David's life did he have people plotting, planning against him, trying to hurt him? I mean, it was a constant theme in the life of David. Uh, especially in his younger years. And and so David is asking God, and, and we say, how does David do this? I'll tell you, it's under the influence and direction of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, God, hurry up. Now, how many of you have ever been in a situation where you wanted God to do something quickly? Uh, that you thought he was taking a little too long. And uh, David is in this psalm of remembrance. He is bringing back to mind. He is putting down so that it can be remembered that there were times in his life when he was under attack. And as you look there in Psalm 70, he's asking for his enemies in verses 2 and 3 to be 
ashamed and confounded to be turned back, to put to confusion and, and, and to be given a reward for their shame. And in verse 19 of 38, he says, my enemies are lively. That means uh, they've got the uh, zest of life. They're really with it. They're not just bumbling along. They're doing what they do on purpose. He says, they're strong. He says, they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. He said, there's a lot of people out there. He said, every time I turn around, there are more enemies stacked up against me. Now, how many of you have heard and have found that the Psalms are full of just encouragement and blessing? Uh, That doesn't sound like we're going there tonight now, does it? Uh, Because David is talking about all of these horrible things that are going on in his life. And and there's a reason why he's doing that, and I believe it'll be very plain. And, And in both Psalms here, the end of Psalm 38 and all of Psalm 70, we see an urgency, a, a, a desire for God to move quickly. God, if you don't do something, bad things are going to happen to me. If you don't move quickly. Now, I want you to understand something. God does not ever do anything on our time schedule. God is not a victim of time. I mean, we, we have to. We live inside this thing called time. It is all around us. I mean, what is the preeminent uh, feature of most cell phones? Turn it on. 6.33, Sunday, May 24th. Time. Uh, it's got a stopwatch on it. It's got a clock on it. You can set alarms with it. You can even make phone calls. Um, when we have a church service, we try to start on time. we got a nice little red clock there in the back, and the numbers are there. And that is not for you. That is for us who are here at this end, so that we can be mindful. And sometimes you think, I preach long, but I'm watching the clock. I know how long I am preaching. Amen? And uh, I intend to preach that long. Most of the time, every once in a while, I'll catch myself, whoa, I'm going way over. Uh, But uh, I I want the center of our services to be about God's Word. But time, it happens to us all. My grandfather used to tell me, don't get old. And my answer was always the same. Granddad, considering the alternative, I'm going to try, all right? Uh, I mean, there is one, only one alternative to getting old, and that's dying young. And, and I want to go when the Lord wants me to go, but I don't want to go a day early. Uh, I want to be here until He's ready to take me home. And I, and I hope that's the attitude that most of us have. We should have that attitude. We shouldn't be so in love with the things of this world, like Hezekiah was, that we wouldn't be willing to go when the Lord called. But we should be desirous to be with the Lord. Amen? And we should live 
And David is saying, listen, I am running out of time. My enemies are closing in around me. Why would David want to remember these things? When he's got a psalm of remembrance in both of these things, we have this theme. And, and the last point I want to bring out in, these, in the Psalm 70, in the last part of Psalm 38, is the fact that David claims to have no ability to help himself. That his help, if it does not come from God... He is going to be overwhelmed. He is going to be moved. He is going to be destroyed by those people that hate God. This is David's cry. And he says, I am, bring, I am writing these things as a psalm, a song of remembrance. And so... We have David remembering his distress, his weakness, his utter dependence upon God, and his desperate urgency for a speedy deliverance. I mean, this if you could choose a point in life to be, is this where you would want to be? Uh, no. You know, trials are always better after they're over. When a woman goes through the difficulty of giving birth, it's always easier as you're holding the baby. When you've gone through some great difficulty in your life, you know, I enjoy telling the story of God paying for our building. But I didn't enjoy living it. I'll be honest with you. When we were $150,000 short, that was just not a place I liked being. Uh, that was, I call it, terrifying faith. And I, I still feel the terror in my heart, even today, telling you the story many years removed from that story. But you know what David is telling us here? We need to remember those times. We, we need to take some time. We need to make sure and put down, and David did, in, by the direction of the Holy Spirit of God, he put these things down. Now, now let's go back to Psalm 38, and we're going to pick up the first um, uh, 18 verses here of Psalm 38, and then we'll put it all together, and Lord willing, uh, we'll be done on time tonight, so we have time to pray and eat ice cream and do all the other things we're hoping to do. But in Psalm 38, he starts with a plea to the Lord to rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chastise me in thy hot displeasure. He said, Thine arrows stick fast in me, thy hand presseth me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of what? My sin. You know what David is saying here? David is saying, I'm a sinner. 
do you understand that God has never done anything in your life, in my life, in the life of any Christian because of some good thing that we did? You get that? You see, we get so wrapped up in our life. And yes, we should expend our life's energy in trying to serve the Lord. Amen? I mean, that's what we should be about. We, we should put forth effort. We should be doing these things. But God never accomplishes anything because of us. It's always in spite of us. If you ever get thinking about how good a Christian you are, you're in trouble. You are in desperate straits. And David is bringing to remembrance not all of the wicked deeds that he had ever done in his life, but the fact that he is a sinful man. You know, sometimes people, when they give their testimonies, maybe Brother Mike's been in a meeting where someone's done this, or they'll say, well, I used to, and they'll name all of these things they used to do while they were serving the devil. And then at the very end, but God saved me from it all. And they sit down, everybody goes, yay! Boy, I, I do not like those kind of testimonies. The kind of testimonies I like are the ones that talk about the Lord. Amen? I think it's Assurance sings a song, I missed out on all of these things. It's a beautiful song. We won't have Assurance with us this summer. We'll have Witness, praise the Lord, and be looking forward to them. But that, that song is just, hey, you know what? I don't know a lot of things that people in the world know. I'm just ignorant. And that's a good thing. But when I turn and face a holy God, I'm brought face to face with my failures and my sin. And if we cannot echo with David the things that he describes here, and I was reading Mr. Spurgeon on on this psalm, and he said, There is no disease known to mankind that has all of these characteristics in it. He said... David was not talking about a physical, loathsome disease. He was talking about what sin does inside a person. Mr. Spurgeon called it spiritual leprosy. And I would have a great tendency to agree with him and his assessment. Look at what it says here. For mine iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt. Because of my foolishness, I am troubled. I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long, for my loins are filled with a loathsome disease, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart. Maybe I can make a connection here. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit. You see, we get this idea that somehow we're going to help God do His work. No, we need to get the idea that we are poor. We don't know the meaning of the word poor. Poor means that you cannot obtain. I think I'm poor when I pull out my Starbucks card and I know there's not enough money on there for the cup of coffee I want. That's not poor. Because I can always pull out another card and put more money, borrow money to put on that card so I can get that cup of coffee. That's not poor. Poor is when you cannot get what is honestly right and necessary for life. Poor people, truly poor people, have to listen to the cries of their hungry children going to bed hungry themselves because they've worked a full day's work and have received the wages for their work and cannot purchase enough food to feed their children or themselves. Do you know, we can work for God all day long. We could serve Him every moment until the day He calls us home and we could not purchase one second of heaven's glory. And yet, even in our best, in our service for Him, we sin, do we not? That's what David's bringing to mind here. There is nothing in me, nothing I can do uh, my my best illustration of this is is if we were to completely blot out every window and every source of light in this room, and, and we could make this room utterly and completely dark. That's really not possible with what we have available to us here. I mean, we would have to put heavy blocks. Even if we put heavy cloth over the windows, the light would filter around. Uh, that cloth on the windows. It would be very difficult to make this room utterly dark, but let's just pretend we could. And I were to light one little candle and put it on the pulpit here. It would be amazing how much light that one little candle could produce, wouldn't it? But even if this room were totally dark and we pulled the screen down... And we left that little candle on there, and I got a bright floodlight. Let's say 500 watts of halogen light, very white, bright, clean light. And put it on this side of the candle. What would you see on the screen back there? You'd see a shadow of the candle, would you not? But how many, else, how many know what else you would see? You've heard me do this before. You would also see the shadow of the flame. Because in the flame is the impurities of the wick and the wax being burned, and the light would pick that up, and it, would make, it makes a shadow of the flame. 
That's the best we can do. And if we don't allow ourselves to be reminded of our sinfulness, if we don't call that to remembrance, we will not have the dependence on the Lord that we need for Him to do His work. Do you get that? That's why David is bringing these things to remembrance. You know, sometimes we get so comfortable that we forget that even in our best state, we are still sinful human beings. Look what he says here in in verse 9, the next few verses. Verse 8, he says, I am feeble and sore broken, I have roared. I mean, have you ever just been so sick that you just went, I'm tired of being sick. That's, that's what he's talking about there. And, and we, we need to get weary with our own sinful souls so that we look in the right direction. We need to understand that even at times when we desire and are trying to do right, we're still not doing what God wants us to do. This morning's sermon, I didn't bring this out completely like I would have liked to, Uh, But there in Malachi, we're talking about the corrupt society. But not all of those priests who were corrupt and wrong in their worship were doing it on purpose. Many of them thought in their own mind and heart that they were actually worshiping and praising God and fulfilling the biblical requirements. That's why when God said, you are abominable to me, they said, what do you mean? We're, we're doing the best we can. You see, until we're willing to remember that God doesn't need the best we can, He can never use us. He can never touch us. He will not deliver us until we understand how much trouble we're in. Have you ever dealt with somebody who just wasn't ready to get saved? Because they just didn't realize how much trouble they were in yet. That's something God has to do in the heart of the individual. He's got to bring you to a point of crisis. And that's what David is reflecting here. He says, says, All my desire, verse 9, is before thee. My groaning is not hid for thee. Lord, everything that I am and think. I love the way my preacher put this, Brother Thompson. He knows everything about me, but he still loves me. Amen. And David said, My heart panteth, my strength faileth with me. He said, The light of my eyes, it is gone. It it also is gone from me. No one is helping me, my lovers and my friends. Now, we use that word, lover, today in a very profane and evil way. This, this has nothing to do with that. This is talking about people that actually love you. you. You have people in your life. You have some people that are your friends. But most of us have a group, or at least a small group, that are true and heartfelt and lifelong friends. 
They love you with every sense of that word. That's, that's what this David is talking about. Those people that love me. Now, David was an unusual man. He had a whole group called David's Mighty Men. You know what? They loved David. They would do anything for David. And if you want to know why, read the story of David and how that he took this discontented and in debt and, and uh, a broken group of men and made them into one of the elite fighting forces in the history of mankind. I mean, accomplishments that uh, entire armies couldn't do. David's mighty men got it done. There was an amazing group of men there. But David couldn't find any help from anybody. I'll tell you, if you look to other people for your help, there'll come a day when you'll find that they can't help you. Only God can help. And yet, in that moment that you realize no one can help you, the enemy's going to be ramping up their attacks. That's what the next verses are about. Those that are mine enemies. What's he say? They also that seek after my life, they lay snare, they're laying snares for me. They speak mischievous things and imagine deceits. But I want you to look at verse 13 and 14. This is important. He says, I don't have any ear to answer the charges of the enemy. He says, I'm not listening to what they say. You know, we've often try, I've often tried to bring this subject up because it's much more widespread than anybody would want to admit. Is people hear voices. Let me tell you something. The world is full of voices, my friend. And you can get tuned in to the wrong voices. And once you get tuned in, it's hard to tune out. It really is. It's a, it's a terrible battle that has to be fought. But you can listen to your enemies. One of the great sad things that we face today is many young men who come out of Bible college. I, I just talked with a young fellow a couple of weeks ago. And he said, one of the things uh, that they didn't teach us at Heartland was they didn't teach us the other side of the issue. And I wanted to go, yeah, stupid. Why would they teach you the lies? They're trying to teach you the truth there. Where do you go with these guys? You know what? David said, you can't listen. Because every time you listen to them... You're robbing yourself of an opportunity to pray to God. Every time you listen to the false teachers, you don't need to understand about them. Don't listen to Joel Osteen so that you can know all the wrong things that he says. I don't recommend that you ever read The Purpose Driven Life so that you can agree with me on my assessment of that book. I have never read that book. I have gained my assessment of that book by listening to people who have read that book. I refuse to read it because I've seen 
how it has messed up the lives of many men who once stood right where I stand. I'm as a deaf man. I I can't hear them. You know why? Because there's only one place. Look what he says here. And this is the key to the whole passage. Verse 15. For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. Thou wilt hear, O Lord my God. For I said, Hear me, lest otherwise they should rejoice over me. When my foot slippeth, they magnify themselves against me. He says, Hear me, God. He says, Every time I have a little slip, there's always somebody out there to point their finger and say, Ah, you're no better than the rest of them. You ever had that happen? You ever have a bad day and somebody says, You're not much of a Christian. I mean, the devil will always have somebody there to judge you. The thing is, for I am ready to halt, and my sorrow is continually before me. For I will declare mine iniquity, I will be sorry for my sin. But my enemies are lively, and they are strong. And they that hate me wrongfully are multiplied. They also that render evil for good are mine adversaries. I love the wording here because I follow the thing that good is. Now, our translators worded it that way on purpose so you would have to stop and carefully read the words to get the message there. That's one of the reasons I love my King James Bible is that's not the natural flow of words, but it's reflected in the original languages in the English, and it's to make you... Hey, I follow that which good is. By the way, what is good? Jesus said there's only one good, that's God. Amen? He says, Forsake me not, O Lord my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord of my salvation. Now we'll be finished in just a minute. David is bringing to remembrance evil times in his life. There were times of difficulty in his life because of personal choices that David made, which God classifies as sin. Every one of us in this room can identify with that. We've done it. We, for all, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And even after we're saved, we do things that are wrong, that move us farther away. But we'll also have trouble when we do what's right. David said, I'm following that which good is, and people hate me for it. Uh, Pastor, that's not very encouraging. I'm going to have trouble when I do something wrong, and I'm going to have trouble when I do something right. Right. Well, what's encouraging about that? God always works. But he won't work. He won't work until we stop listening to the world and make ourselves wholly dependent on him. 
Uh, I think I can define desperately needing God to work. We were $150,000 short on our mortgage. We only had till February 1st. It was Christmas time. You know what? No bank wants to talk to you about a loan the week before Christmas. They just really don't. Uh, And I was filling out papers and sending things in, and we had a man in Oklahoma, actually, who worked for a bank centered in California. And he said, man, he said, I love you guys and what's going on. He says, my preacher told me about you, and I'm going to bat for you. And he calls me back and he says, I don't know how to tell you this, preacher. He said, but the day I walked in with your file folder under my arm, the boss said, sit down, we need to talk about a severance package. They fired him. He had our folder under his arm to get a loan for us the day he got fired. He said, they closed down the entire religious lending division of the bank. You want to talk about encouraging. But I'll tell you, when you get... God wants us to desperately need Him now. Does that make sense to anybody? That's not a comfortable place to be. That's not some place that we like being. But when we're there, that's when God does the miracles. Are you willing to be made uncomfortable? Are you willing to be made desperate? I remember one time as a Bible college student saying, God, if you don't give me some money today, I'm in trouble. I have bills that I've got to be paid Uh, My only suit is at the dry cleaner, and I'm supposed to wear it on Sunday, and I can't get it out because I don't have any money. And I remember just pleading with the Lord and went to the mailbox, and guess what was there? $50 from my old babysitter. I I couldn't even imagine this. I hadn't spoken to her since I was a little boy and she came over and watched us two or three nights uh, in my entire life. And she said, you know, God just touched my heart to send you this money and I sent it to you. It arrived the day I was desperate. And, And by the way, I was able to get the money and get to the dry cleaners before they closed and all of the things that needed to happen. These are psalms of remembrance because David understood that in the darkest, most urgent needs of his life, there was God. And all God's people say, Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you for these psalms of remembrance. Lord, they talk about dark and terrible days. 
and about the desperate and urgent need for God to move quickly. And Lord, we're thankful that you are never in a hurry. But you sure can get it done when you need to. Lord, we ask that you would work in our midst. In Jesus' name we pray. Before we finish the...